Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Comedy Album Book Club, the podcast where we listen to a comedy album and then we talk about it. I'm your producer, Matt Ardill, a comedy nerd and improv student. And in addition to the album discussions, I, along with our host, actor and comedy enthusiast Jason DeLine, also interview members of the comedy community. Today's interview is part of the Juno series. The Juno Awards are Canada's answers to the Grammys, an annual recognition of musical artists that started in 1970. 2019 is the second year to present the award for Best Comedy Album after a 33-year hiatus for the category. Today, I talked to Juno-nominated comedian Mace Galoni about their album, Awkwarder. Okay, so I'm speaking with Mace Galoni today, um, Juno nominee for his album, Awkwarder. Uh, Welcome to the Comedy Album Book Club. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so to start, what was your first introduction to comedy? Um, well, it's a, uh, a, a, a little embarrassing for me because I used to be really, really, really into magic. And I mm-hmm. wanted to be a magician more than anything in the world when I was like 12, 13, 14. And then uh, at some point when I was 15, I started writing some jokes for my, for my magic act. And then like, mm-hmm. uh, through that, I read, uh, Steve Martin's book. And in my head, I was only interested in the first part where he was still a magician. <laughs> and like, literally people told me like, Oh, it's a, you know, you should read this book. Cause he was a magician at first. And I was like, I guess I'll read the first couple chapters. But like, as I read through the book, as he transitioned into like falling in love with comedy, I also sort of did. And then, started just writing jokes just about uh, like unrelated to magic. They didn't, you know, just kind of uh, writing little bits in my notebook and eventually kind of realized that that was all I wanted to do and, and still didn't think I would ever perform it, but just realized that like, I loved writing jokes. Yeah. So uh, well, eventually did try it. And then, yeah. Well, you know, you know, you're in good company, Steve Martin, um, Johnny Carson's another magician turned, comedian so it seems like a, a natural <laughs> trans transition <laughs> i think yeah it's um, just it's a lot easier you don't have to bring a suitcase full of props with you and wear fake thumbs and 
uh, have to <laughs> stuffed all the time. So. Yeah. Now, um, and I've watched some of your material talk about going to magic camp. Did any of that that inform your comedy and uh, your 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 stage presentation at all? Uh, not really. Although it definitely uh, like it, it was it, uh, it was a very fun experience. Like I I okay. I've gotten now a couple bits out of it. So every time I kind of think I'm done with that topic or premise, I remember another little thing about it, and then I work a new joke in with that. So. <laughs> I do in that way it has. Excellent. Yeah, I, I always wanted to do do magic to be honest. I just I never had the oh, yeah. hand eye coordination. I just I could never <laughs> like that that like close up work and I I just didn't never had the knack. So uh so I oh, yeah, I man. skipped that step. <laughs> you yeah, it, it, I think I think that was probably for the best. <laughs> now, uh, how did you get your start in comedy so what was like your first gig or your what you know, what made you take that jump uh well i i so when i when i started writing jokes i kind of like at some point i told my family about it and i and i started becoming very obsessed with stand-up comedians and like watching george mm-hmm. carlin all the time and stuff and and saying like, oh, I, I would never do stand-up comedy. I just like, I like, I like watching it. Like, it's interesting to me. But then eventually I kind of, I think, told my mom and dad a little bit about like, yeah, I tried writing some stuff. And they're like, oh, you should, they're the, so supportive, like the most encouraging, like, oh, you should try it. And at some mm-hmm. point my mom stumbled across a, uh, uh, an open mic in Hamilton and I was 15. So she like called and asked if I could come do it. And, uh, and yeah, they said yes. And we went down and it was like in the, the, the attic sort of, of this like marketing company. It was a very weird setup. It was like this little cafe they were trying to start above this other company and they had this open mic. And that's where I met my, uh, one of my best friends in the world now, Patrick Coppolino. He was new to comedy at the time and he had started this open mic and, and yeah, that's where I did it. Cool. Well, now, um, how, how was, uh, the Hamilton comedy scene compared to because I mean you you know you live in Vancouver and you performed all over the place. So how how is Hamilton's comedy world compared to the other places in Canada? Yeah, it's really great. Uh, I think I, I mm-hmm. it, it's a small scene, and so I think it fluctuates a lot because um, it really relies on. Uh, like ambitious and enthusiastic people all supporting each other because it's not a big group of comics. Um, but over the years, like I'm, I'm so glad that I had my start there. When I started, there was uh, Patrick Coppolino and Manola Santanos and Anthony Malekis and Clifford Myers, who were all kind of, they were the four that were going out every night. And then uh, there were a couple others um, and, like two of my best friends in the world, Zach McDonald and Jordan Shearer also uh, were just starting out at the same time I was. And um, so they didn't have a whole lot to do at the time. There was kind of like one or two open mics and then like the yuck yucks, which Mm -hmm. was only doing two shows a week. And kind of as it built, we were all really good friends and supported anything each other did. And eventually had this nice little scene that other comics from out of town started coming into. And, 
as I've seen throughout the years, that's kind of like a cycle that like has repeated itself where like a new little crop of comics will, will show up and start shows and then it'll be a good scene for a while and then they'll move away or do other things or just, um, you know, go move to Toronto or whatever. And then it might die down a little bit, but it seems to always come back. And I honestly think that the crowds in Hamilton are good because they're not, uh, they're not very easy and, uh, you kind of have to like really work to get them. But if you do, they will, they'll give it up for you. They'll, you know, they'll laugh and you can really tell when something's funny. And, and so it really forces you to kind of work hard and, uh, like support the people around you. Yeah. And that just makes it more, that much more rewarding and having to work for that joke and work for those audiences. And when they keep coming back and keep supporting you, you know, you've kind of earned those laughs. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I think so. Uh, there's definitely also like Hamilton has been such a good music scene for a long time. And so there's like a couple of people in Hamilton that have kind of really worked to try to bring those two worlds together a little bit and like, like get the people that are excited about like local Hamilton homegrown bands to be excited about comedians too. So there's like uh there's a good, just, I, I really love Hamilton. So yeah. Now, now you mentioned um, George Carlin uh, as yeah. a comedy hero uh, kind of thing. He was somebody you lo- lo- watched a lot of and listened to a lot of. Um, are there any other comedians, you know, contemporary comedians or, or you know, his- comedians from the past that uh, you're a big fan of that you really enjoy? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, a, a couple that I, like, really love, like, I, I love George Carlin. Uh, Richard Jenny is one of my favorites. Uh, of all time, like mm-hmm. as a, oh, sorry, wait, I I just realized you asked, uh, are, you know what, this is uh, embarrassing. What does the word contemporary mean, Matt? <laughs> like like a peer, somebody who, like not just like also like, you know, classic comedians, but also maybe somebody who. Right, you know, right. Someone, now, someone so. modern day that I work with. Okay. Uh, Lenny yeah, modern Bruce, day or. I or, love. Yeah, or. Um, <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. Like, like. Sorry, I totally misunderstood the question. Uh, no problem. Um, yeah. No. Uh, comedians that like are are in our scene that I am a really big fan of are like I love Ivan Decker. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, my, also uh, my my girlfriend uh, Sophie Buttle is a incredibly funny comedian and just like an insanely good joke writer and uh incredibly funny human being. So uh those would be two that I'd definitely check out. Um also Manola Santanos and Patrick Coppolino, like I mentioned, are they're two of my okay. best friends, but also like really hilarious in very unique ways. Uh and they both have albums out so you could check them out too. And 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 also like I may have been a little awkward in how I phrased it. I was also wondering what classic comedian, like <laughs> classic comedians, you enjoy as well. Oh, so you were okay, on the right. Okay, cool. You were sort of like throwing it <laughs> open there. So you were you were on the right track when you started. <laughs> okay, Just sweet. Well, this is this is all an act. By this is uh, trying to brand follow my brand of the awkward uh, title. So this is not <laughs> constructed. I, I I am actually very socially uh, adept. Adept? Inept? No. Uh, oh, God. Uh, so, classic comedians that I love. Well, I love Steve Martin, love George Carlin, uh, love Richard Jenny. 
Um, and I mean, I, I really love the, the, like, I think it's been so cool that we've gotten to see this year, like a new Chris Rock special and a new Ellen DeGeneres special, because like, those are comics that I would have said are more classic, you know, like a year ago, but now they're right back. They're being, they're putting stuff out. And, and so, and I also love the Ray Romano special. Like I think there were a bunch of classic comics that are, you know, still now doing great stuff. Yeah. And I, I watched that uh, Ellen special just recently and it's like, it's amazing. You know, somebody who's sort of been out of the game of being on stage for yeah. a pretty long time. Like she just, completely owned that it was like they're like it, oh yeah i, I I'd, I'd watched her, her last hbo special about a year ago or so now and then watching this yeah. and it was like the same kind of perfect pacing and structure where she's able to like drops this little premise in the first sentence and then just brings it all home and it's like wow <laughs> it feels really yeah. awesome to watch yeah well as a comedy album fan have you listened to her album Oh my God, I'm forgetting the title. It's it's her in a bowl of SpaghettiOs on the cover. Oh, you know that geez. one? Um, no, I don't. Oh man, I forget. I forget what it's called. Um, it's uh, it's like it's incredible. Whatever it is, it's one of my favorite albums. I have it on my phone. Really? I've re-listened to it like three hey, times. Taste but... it. Taste taste it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, I I would recommend that album to anybody. Uh, like it's just such a great like relatable and uh like ob- mm-hmm. it's just a great observational comedy album like so many good jokes well, well well we'll have to have you on the show sometime next time you're in toronto to do a panel episode and we can talk about taste this <laughs> so yeah that'd be uh, awesome. yeah, yeah it's, uh, i just I, you know i i watched her i've always found ellen super interesting so i watched her stand up and their sitcom and it's sort of great to see her come back and, and, and like yeah. back in the eighties and nineties sort of dating myself there, but it's great to see her come back and, 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 you know, just completely own the stage like that. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So you mentioned taste this, is there any other favorite comedy albums or uh, that you have? Yeah. Well, I, my, my favorite comic of all time is Doug Stanhope. And so mm-hmm. I would say that like my, like, if I were to pick my top 10 albums, like probably four of them would be his. And, uh, I would say his, like the beer hall putsch, uh, is an amazing one. And, uh, and from across the street are my two Mm -hmm. favorite albums. Probably. I, I like, I, I love his, uh, I love his writing. I love his ability to like, either bring up a subject that kind of everybody's on the same page with and take you to a point where you're like, I, I don't know why I'm laughing at this. Like, I don't really agree with it, but I'm agreeing with it in the moment, you yeah. know, or start with something that you absolutely wouldn't agree with or an audience would never side with and then against their will, convince them of it. Yeah. It takes a real, you know, real skill to, to, to bring an audience in on side. With a, yeah. with a premise where you're, it's, it's it's really amazing to watch somebody like just pull that off. Oh yeah, and and I think he's the best at it. I feel like every single one of his bits surprises me because we all like as a as a 
if you're a comedian or a fan of comedy, you can, you will predict where you think a joke is going to go. And mm-hmm. it doesn't always, it doesn't mean it's bad if it goes where you think it's going to go. Like sometimes that's perfect and it's satisfying and it's exactly what you want to hear. But I feel like with him, it's never where I expect it is going to yeah. be, you know? Yeah. That, that, the next earlier, you know, fun of, okay, where is this going to go next? Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, you recorded your own albums. What was the process of like, that like? Uh, so, like, how long did it take? How did you sort of uh, how was how did you sort of pro- set up the process and and, and uh, what was involved? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I recorded two albums, but uh, there's there's overlap in the material. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, the first one I recorded uh, too early. I think. Like, it was. I mean you couldn't get earlier really because it was my first uh, headline weekend ever. Uh, So other than small shows, you know, I, and like, like bar gigs and whatever, I never headlined really an actual club before this, which was, this was about, I I guess like three years ago now. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was in Toronto and uh, it was a friend of mine who's like a, a really great friend and a very funny comedian although i don't think he does it anymore but uh he also uh he's like produced albums for people uh like rob Mm -hmm. pugh and stuff and his name is danny menlo and he wanted to come and record it and i kind of was like a little hesitant but i was like yeah he's like we'll just record it we'll decide what to do after and then we recorded it and in the excitement of it all of like, you know, doing my first headline weekend and stuff, I got kind of caught up in it. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's put it out. Why not? But immediately, uh, like when I, when the two weeks later, when I got the like recording all put together, I was like listening to it, like hating it just because of, <laughs> it's not, it's not refined at all. My material, yeah. not the recording or anything, just like, had so many things all the way through that I was like, oh, that's dumb. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't say that. So um, at that point, it was a little far gone. We were already kind of too in on uh, like putting it out. And so mm-hmm. I put it out and kind of regretted it for a while. There was actually a funny thing where it like got miscategorized. I don't know the technical side of it of how it gets uploaded through CD Baby, but like it got miscategorized mm-hmm. as folk music. <laughs> so <laughs> for a while I was going to like advertise it as like the number one comedy album on the folk music charts. <laughs> Cause it's technically true. But um, yeah. then for about a year, I was like, just all I could think about is like, oh, I wish that wasn't out. I, if I could do it again, I would do it this way. And or this, I'd change these things. And so eventually decided to just do it to like use, you know, the new material that I like swap out stuff that I didn't even want to have on there. And then the stuff that I wish I did right the first time, I just, uh, there's a, a guy named Kevy in Vancouver who's produced a bunch of albums and, uh, he's super funny and super nice. And, uh, he works for 604 records. So he came out to a weekend that Sophie and I were doing at Heckler's in Victoria mm-hmm. And then just over over two nights recorded it. It was just two shows, and um, yeah. And then just you you know yeah. From there, it's like pretty simple because I had spent so long thinking about all the changes that I wish I 
was able to make on that first album. Mm-hmm. When I kind of ended up putting it together, it was very similar to whatever I had just done on stage because I had, I had it so ingrained in my head. There wasn't too much editing and post to do. Like I think maybe like one or two bits got rearranged and maybe there was like a couple bits that we used from the second night that I didn't do the first night, but otherwise it was like pretty simple after that. Now, do you, do you feel like that material is burned or do you, do you turn to it and, and keep evolving that material? Um, there are some things that I wouldn't be against uh, including in a bit in the future because like they would add like if, if there there might be like a, like there's a couple bits that are like a minute long. I, one is about my nephew, and one is about uh, this science protest. And I would say those are two bits that I've added so much else to now that I would I would put them on a future album. Everything else mm-hmm. I wouldn't put on another album, but I will do it. You know, because it's not like a lot of people are listening to it uh, at this moment, at least. And probably not ever it'll probably take a take a while before I'm ever doing anything that enough people will listen to that it's like really genuinely burned, you know. But yeah. but I I my comedy albums are my favorite thing, and they always have been in comedy. So my goal is to always just keep having new stuff. So I mean I I only do it as much as I uh, need to, but mm-hmm. um, but definitely not against that. Like. I, you know, until I have, until I have good stuff, I'll, I'll keep doing that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I love the bit about, I have a niece who's infinitely cooler than I was at her age as well. Um, (laughs) I, I, I listened to that bit and I'm like, I, I, it just resonated with me, but I, I, I'm working my subtle, subtle magic on that. And then I took her to her first concert and it was a weird owl concert in Hamilton. Uh, so I'm like, oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm subtly trying to subvert her cool and bring her to the dark side. <laughs> oh man, that is so funny. Thank you. I, I, I totally feel the same way because my nephew has been getting into anime recently. And <laughs> yeah, that's like the nerdiest thing. I mean, I, I'm, the thing is when it started, I wasn't into anime at all. So when he told me mm-hmm. he was getting into anime, I was kind of like, oh, like, great. I'll encourage that. To encourage it, I, I've spent hours now watching it with him, and I gotta say, yeah. anime is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, so there was a brief, yeah. short period where I was cooler than him, but it is, it is switched. <laughs> it's that that tug of war is going to go on for yeah. the, the rest of our lives. <laughs> um, great. So uh, you write for this hour is twenty two minutes, um, which yeah, I love that show. I've been watching it since it first came on. Uh, how is the oh, process awesome. of writing for uh, this hour different from stand-up? Uh, how, so how, is, like, is it more collaborative? Is it team-based? What, what's the differences there? Yeah, it's definitely uh, collaborative. Um, I mean, stand-up can be too in a weird way, like in, in, the, in, in that you're always performing with people and your friends will often be like, oh, have you thought about doing this or, or adding this callback or something like that, you know? Um, but whereas at the office, it's more, uh, uh, systematic collaboration of, okay, let's talk about some ideas. Let's split up and work on the idea. Then let's get back together and then punch it up and stuff like that. Um, so it's definitely more collaborative and 
I don't know, this is my first year doing it. So mm-hmm. it's uh, a lot of it has been new to me and they've made a bunch of changes this year. So I, I, you know, I, I don't know how it compares to other years, but um, how the week will work. If, if that, if that's something you'd like to know, is like, yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Okay, over the weekend, we, we write some sketches uh, on our own, and sometimes we only have to write one. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. like two, and then you work with somebody else on something. And then on Monday, uh, they go through and they look at all the sketches that were written over the weekend. They pick uh, maybe about half of those, and then they do a read-through with the cast where they out loud read the scripts in front of all the production people and all of us. And like, we all just get in a room and it's kind of fun. It's like a show where like, I love it because like, I love stand up, but I love writing jokes the most. So it's like the best, it's the best of both worlds. I get to enjoy watching people react to the joke. Hopefully there are plenty Mm -hmm. of times where they don't. And, uh, and, but I don't have to be the one delivering it, you know? And so they do the read and then whatever works from that, they, they uh, plan to film. And then the rest of the week, we kind of spend maybe writing a few more sketches, but mostly writing copy jokes and writing leads where we uh, talk about the news at the beginning of the day. Every morning, we talk about the news and figure out what topics are important. And then uh, then we just kind of write jokes about them. Um, now, shift, shifting gears a bit, um, and yeah. that is a terrible transition, uh, you oh, and no, no, Sophie no. Uh, once drove a Prius around Stanley Park for 12 <laughs> yeah. hours. How did you keep sane for that time and all that long in a, in a car going in circles? <laughs> oh, well, we didn't, uh, which you can see on that video a little bit. You see, the, you, you see the tip of the iceberg of how insane we were that day. Uh, mm-hmm. What was crazy is that we had to... Start that at like, oh man, I think we started at 8 a.m. So we had to get there at like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the night before we had a show, so we were out till like one in the morning. Oh, no. And then in the middle of the night, Sophie's apartment building, the alarm went off, the fire alarm in the whole oh. building. So we had to wake up and get our like our clothes on and go out onto the street and wait out there for like half an hour and then try to come back. So we got maybe like three hours of sleep altogether. And then we had to drive for 10 hours straight. So we were like brain dead and, and like delusional and what they, the, the other thing is that, and uh, you know, for ten hours, there's only so much of that time that you can like be super cognizant of the fact that you're on camera. So <laughs> we we kept making stupid, just insane jokes that if if they used any of that, they'd be like, "Oh, these two are literally insane and can't be trusted <laughs> to do comedy professionally." Like, what was one? There was one recurring joke. Well, I mean, one of the jokes was just. And we thought it was so funny to keep joking about running people over, which progressively became funnier as the day went on and we were so tired. But um, just, yeah, we were very insane and they only showed a little bit of it. So they actually did us a huge favor with that. 
<laughs> awesome. Now, um, about the Juno. So last year, Ivan Decker won um, the, the yeah. best comedy Juno. But that was the first album, that, or the first time that the award had been given out in like 33 years. The, the prior winners, the prior two winners of two years um, back in the 80s were both Bob, Doug McKenzie, you know, by Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. And uh, prior to that, it was like Rich Little and the Royal Canadian Air Force. Um, so do you th- does it does it feel like Canada's um, maybe taking their comedy community a little bit more seriously and, and sort of maybe respecting it a bit more now that, that, that we're, you know, as a nation giving out these awards, uh, not just within their, with our, within our local communities? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I, 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 it, it feels like, um, comedy just in general has become such a fixture of entertainment. It, 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 it doesn't seem to be like a subcategory anymore. It's so present, I think in everybody's day to day, because, you know, I, uh, you, you could argue that it's oversaturated, but at the same time, I think that it's, it's a good thing that there's so much comedy out there because yeah, maybe not all of it is great or maybe, not all of it is as tight as it could be, or some specials are seem to be rushed out. But at the same time, it's gotten people, I think, used to the idea that like, oh, stand-up is a thing you, there's, there is so much of, and you can watch, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, it's like a, an infinite resource essentially. And so I definitely think that the awards are um, like a really good step in the right direction of, solidifying that you know like it's it comedy can be like music you can listen to it every day and if you know if you're into it and and, uh whoever you are there's a comic out there for you you know and uh i think that yeah i would say you're right that the 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 junos are definitely uh like a big sign of that changing tide yeah well it's and um you know, I, I I found like with SiriusXM's constant support of comedians in in Canada, it yeah. feels like there's a, a lot more awareness. Uh, have you noticed that at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, the top comic thing is is really great, and um, like, I, I, yeah, it's it's just so. Excuse me, I. I, burped. I hope that did not show up. I have suspected lactose intolerance, but Sophie is away right now. So I've eaten so much dairy today. And uh, <laughs> that I, uh, I, oh man, I hope that that was not audible. Uh, is, but, okay. um, when, when my wife's away, it's McDonald's food for me. So I, oh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's is my favorite restaurant for real. And uh, yeah, she's away for four days. So that's probably about six McDonald visits. I <laughs> estimate. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, um, serious XM is awesome. They, like the amount of Canadian albums that Ben minor and Paul Paddich, uh, play, uh, like, uh, uh, just on Canada last is like insane. They, they, they not only are supporting comics, uh, like, you know, just in spirit and with enthusiasm, they're literally putting, thousands of dollars into comedians pockets, like helping us do this as a living. Awesome. 
Now, if you win, do you have any plans on how you're going to celebrate? <laughs> definitely McDonald's. Uh, definitely a <laughs> lot of it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really love that the 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 uh, the Junos are in London because I'll be like my my mom is going to come and my uh, my sisters might come, but either way, uh, I'll get to like go right home after the weekend. So, uh, you know, I, I just going to celebrate by hanging out with them and hanging out with my, my friends. And, uh, yeah, there's, just, I also do not think I'm going to win. Uh, I, and th- that's not self-deprecating at all. It's just like, I'm genuinely shocked that I, I am even nominated. So there are so many strong comics in the country that, and in the lineup of the nominations, you know? So like, I am really just excited to be a part of it. And I feel like I, since I've found out it's already just constant celebrating, like pretty happy about it and happy to get to go and hang out with those people. Like it's all just positive for me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, that, that, thank you very much for uh, chatting with me today and you know, best of luck uh, on the, and the Genos. And Thanks uh, a lot, man. We look forward to, to chatting with you again sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. That'd be awesome. I, I, I really love, uh, love the idea of this podcast and I, I, I love the enthusiasm for comedy and comedy albums, especially. So thanks a lot for having me. Uh, oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. My thanks to Mace Galoni, and please make sure you subscribe to Comedy Album Book Club to listen to our other interviews and episodes. Tomorrow we have an interview with Pat Thornton, plus we just released our interviews with Shanti Morostica, Dave Merhegi, Deborah DiGiovanni, as well as an episode discussing Saturday Night Live's album from 1976 with comedy legend Robin Duke, as well as Brandon Hackett of the Skechersons, and Carrie Donaldson and Ali Entwistle of Brunch, live from the Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival, which is still growing on. So grab your tickets to some great shows while you can. In our next album episode, we discuss Beth Stelling's album, Simply the Beth, with Grace Smith and Ryan Hughes. Until then, I'm not Jason DeLine, but Matt Ardill. Thanks for listening to the Comedy Album Book Club. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. 
Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.